Hey friends, welcome to Real Talk with Rachel. I'm your host, Rachel Gilbert, and I am so glad that you're here today. This show is a safe place with real conversations to help you live free and pursue your God-given dreams. Think of this as a therapy session with your best friend. Oftentimes, God brings things up because they are on the way out. Lean into the topic God is bringing up today on negative labels. Be sure to stick around till the end of the show for a short segment where I share counselor-approved strategies to take this Real Talk episode and make it relevant in your everyday life through simple action steps. You might recognize today's guest as I've had both of his parents and his brother on the show. Artem Bevere is the youngest son of John and Lisa Bevere and the co-founder of Sons and Daughters, a movement committed to raising up a generation of uncompromising followers of Christ who will transform our world. Artem has traveled the world doing ministry and speaking at conferences. He has a passion to see his generation go further than any that came before it, fully alive in this God adventure. Arden and I got real about labels that limit our God-given potential. So let's jump into that conversation right now. Well, welcome to the show, Arden. I'm thrilled to have you here today. Rachel, thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to talk. Yeah. Okay. So this is fun because you're number four of the Bevere family to come on my show. So this is exciting. <laughs> See, I feel like you should have been with us for Christmas. I mean, it just feels like we're, exactly. we're all family now. Yeah. Yeah. So your mom has been on twice and then your brother and then your dad. We just made the connection. This was not planned, but it's kind of cool. The day that you and I are recording, your dad's episode released on my show today. So super fun. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. I mean, I've got amazing parents, so you'll probably hear a lot of what Dave had to say inside of me just spoke in a different way. Yeah. Well, you know, it's really encouraging to me. I mean, I've always been a fan of your parents for a long time. I mean, I think I've been listening to your mom, especially for at least a decade now. And I always remember, you know, I listened to her live at women's conferences and I remember just watching her and I was just always so drawn to the power that was within her. And you could tell it was just so different than the certain types of, you know, I've, I've seen powerful women and I've heard powerful women speak, but but you could just tell the Holy Spirit just flows out of her. And so I was just drawn to her. But I love that, you know, I've got to have you and your brother on my show. When you see that pass on to the generations, that just gets me all kinds of excited because that it shows us how real and how authentic their relationship is, not only with the Lord, but with their kids and that they're passing on this heritage, this lineage of believers. And so then guess what? You guys get to do that. You get to do the same thing. You turn around and you pass it on to the next generation and I, that just gets me so excited. (laughs) Yeah. I I remember growing up, I always, my parents would always model that beautiful relationship. They were the exact same people that you saw on stage that they were at home. And I mean, every single morning, something that was always crucial because they, they discouraged us to go into ministry. They're like, don't do it just to stay away from it. And I mean, every single morning I would come down, it could be 5am, it could be 6am. And I would always just look off to the left and my dad would just be right there in his study, just reading the word. And he's gone through the word so many times. And he would just come out with this brand new revelation that he's gotten from the scripture that he's read, you know, 80 times. And he's like, look what God just showed me this morning. And so they always just showed that, 
you know, God's word is so alive. It's so relevant. It's so always speaking and always is fresh content. And they just always modeled that and showed that example to us boys. So we were always so thankful for that. Yeah. You know, I can relate to that because I come from a family that my, my dad was a pastor for 30 plus years and that my parents are both still in ministries. They have a nonprofit ministry and same thing. They never necessarily encouraged us to go into ministry, but like you said, and even growing up, I think I shared this with one of your parents on, when I interviewed them, I really didn't want to. I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't think I wanted to go into ministry. But once I found my own personal relationship with Jesus and I started diving into God's word and I started looking around at our generation and going, oh no, people don't know. Like, how are they going to know? You know, I, I've got to be the one of the people, you know, of the many people who actually pass the truth along and, and stand up for what's right. And, and so while I don't necessarily, me personally, have a vocation in ministry, I'm not a pastor, um, but I do have this podcast and I view it as a ministry for sure. So I, I get you on that for sure. Okay. We have, we have a lot to talk about before we jump into all the things we're going to talk about. What is one random fun fact that I did not he- read about you in your bio? Ooh, random fun fact. That is always a hard thing for me to answer. Um, something random, I think my wife, my wife just thinks I'm very random. I always love kind of, I have a small little dog that I never wanted. Um, that is a little tiny Yorkie, um, that my wife was like, Hey, can you get me a dog? Because you're traveling so much and I want something at the house. And so I was that like dog dad that was like, no, we're never getting a small dog. But now that we have a small dog, it's like constantly always with me, just like sleeps right next to me is like my little companion. So I I would say that's a little little quirky thing. I remember someone actually went to dinner with my parents the other night and they drove past our house and saw me and they were like waved at us and their friends were with them. And they were like, yeah, we saw his son um, on the way here. They're like, who was he? And they're like, it was that big guy with the small dog. And I was like, yep, that is me. That's hilarious. I love it. That's such a fun fact. That's awesome. My husband's a little bit the same way. We don't have a tiny dog, but we do. We finally got a dog recently because of the kids begging for years. And he is more attached to that dog, I think, than any of us. It kind of cracks me up. And he's a big, muscly guy, too. I'm like, okay, that dog has you wrapped. But all right. I love that fun fact. Okay. So today we're talking about your new book that's about to release uh, called Redefine. Let's, Let's hear about the heart behind this book. Yeah. So this book was, I mean, honestly, it was never supposed to be a book. So this started about five years ago. And what happened was my oldest brother, um, Addison, who you had on the show, he asked me, he said, Hey, as a ministry, what we want to be targeting the youth and young adults generation. He said, so how can we be doing that? So I was, I started thinking about it and I was like, well, what is our generation? And so I remember I went into this conference room and I had the big whiteboard in front of me and I started writing up on the whiteboard what we were. And I was like, we're creative, we're innovative, we're pioneers for all these things. And, and I was like, you know, I need, I need more words. And I was like, I need, I need help. So I posted the question on my Facebook asking people, I said, if you could describe the young adult generation in one word, what would it be? And I remember I got such a massive response and all of these responses came flooding in and they were all negative. I'd say probably about 95% of them were negative. They were things like broken, entitled, lacking, fearful, discouraged, disillusioned. And I remember I was watching all of these things come in 
And my heart began to break because I was watching them not coming in from the older generation. They were coming in from people that were my age, people who were believing to be true, the labels that have been placed on them from the world. And I think you can even look back at 2020. There was a lot of labels that were placed on our generation that we began to believe to be true. And we started acting from that place or responding from that place of a label. And I remember in that moment, as I'm watching all of these things come in um, and just feeling discouraged from my generation, I God began to give me scripture that was contrary to what those things that were being written about. And, and so this was never supposed to be a book because I never thought I could write a book. Um, I was in special needs reading and writing programs all the way through my freshman year of high school. Um, and so what this started out was, was I actually, God told me to take all of those words from the Facebook page and put them in my journal and begin to write out what the word of God said over this generation. And then make that my prayer for this generation, for this, for this nation, for this, this uh, whole world. And, and so that's what that really started as. And I, what I've discovered through that is God does not label his people in the word of God. A label speaks to who we have been in the past or who we are right now. And that's what the world does because they're limited to time. God calls his people and God calls us sons and daughters and he calls us through his word. And I think what we've seen right now in our generation is we have a lot of people that have a lot of information. You know, we know what uh, we know what the word says about us through, you know, maybe the most recent podcast or our favorite, you know, pastor or our, our the most recent book that we read. But we don't know what the word of God actually says about us. And that's where the power, that's where God's calling comes. You know, that's where we're going to be allowed to take hold of the authority and the promise that he has for us, for our destiny and our inheritance, rather than grabbing hold of the labels that have been placed on us from the world. Woo! You have that preacher preacher bone in you that your your mom and dad have. I love it. I think I, I think I told both of them when I interviewed them. I was like, "Hey, you can just take over. I don't even need to ask the questions. You want to just preach for thirty minutes, and then we'll we'll sign off at the end." Oh, I love it. This conversation is so good because you know I am actually a therapist, and I can't tell you the number of times I, I, I primarily counsel women that they come into my office with all the labels, like you said. And that's why I'm so passionate about getting a hold of people at that younger age, because it breaks my heart when grandmas are telling me the things that they still carry and they've carried for so long. So this is such important work that you're doing. I also love, I just have to draw attention. I know we're not necessarily talking about how this book came to pass, but I love how you said this didn't start out as a book because I feel like sometimes people look at the end product of things. And I can't tell you the number of times in my own life people have asked how I got to this end product. And I go, I didn't start out with that end product. I was doing the next right thing that God told me to do, you know, and that kind of stuff is just so exciting because you're just doing the next thing that God said, hey, get some information on this. And then you see the response and you go, oh my goodness, there's something here. And I love when he highlights that. Um, so let's talk a little bit deeper about this idea, because I, I, we hear this topic of labels, I feel like somewhat often, but I don't know that we always go too deep into it. So what is at stake if we sit around and we believe some of those labels that are slapped on us? Uh, sometimes it's by ourselves. Sometimes it's from people we look up to. Those are the hardest labels to remove, by the way, whenever, you know, somebody you respect, you know, set, says something to you, um, maybe some you don't even know. It really breaks my my heart that we're letting Instagram people that I've never met in real life give me a label? Like, really? What? So let's talk about that. What happens if we don't debunk some of those things? 
Yeah, well, if we don't, and here's the here's the key to combating labels. And this is what I've found is that if we don't understand what God's called to us, and, and if we live underneath labels, we are missing out in the power, the, the authority that we have to walk here on earth. And I remember when we were kids, my parents used to do something to us boys that we hated so much. Um, and they would always do this where if we were doing something wrong, if we had talked back to them or something like that, my mom would be like, hey, you're a prince. And she's like, princes don't act like that. And I was like, mom, do you come from some like royal line that I don't know about? Like, what do you mean I'm a prince? And what she was doing is she was always speaking, not to the person that I was in the moment, not the disobedient, rebellious child, but she was speaking to the potential that I had to become. And she said, you know what? You're a prince of God. It wasn't because I was a Bavere. It wasn't because there was some special thing in my family. It was because I was a child, a son of God. And I think right now what I'm seeing a lot in the world is, and this might be countercultural, but I'm seeing that the problem in the world is not a lack of sons and daughters of God. I think we focus so much on, hey, we need to make more converts, more converts. I think it's a problem is, is the lack of sons and daughters of God who've stepped into the fullness of what that actually means. And, and if you allow the labels of this world to define your life, you will live constrained to the things of this world. And that, like you said, that can be from a, a teacher, a friend, a peer, a parent, someone you look up to. And I think right now, more than ever, have we seen so many voices being able to speak into your life. And I love what Jesus did. You know, Jesus, when he was out in the wilderness, he was out there for 40 days. And at the end of it, the enemy comes to tempt him. And what does he do before he tempts him? He questions who he is. And he says, if you are truly the son of God. And we have a lot of people right now that are questioning, hey, am I am I truly a Christian? What does it truly mean to be a Christian? And I love this because he proposes, he said, if you're truly the son of God, and Jesus's response is not, you know, hey, I know I'm the son of God because I am, or I know I'm Christ. I was in heaven. I know all this. And the enemy knew exactly who he was. Like the enemy was with Christ before the foundations of the world. He was with the word. But yet what the enemy was trying to do was make him feel insecure in that moment and act out of that place of insecurity. But what Jesus does that is so beautifully modeled is he uses scripture to combat the enemy when he attacks his image, when he attacks who he is made to be. And he says, you know, he says, the Bible says that you should not, man should not live on bread alone. He uses scripture. And I think right now we have a generation that we have not gotten transformational knowledge. We've gotten the most recent, like I said, the most recent podcast, most recent, you know, Instagram post, but we've not taken that knowledge and turned it into transformation, which comes from the word of God, which makes it so that when you do hear those, you know, labels placed on you from parents, teachers, whoever it is, they're either able to align with what the word of God said about you, like how my parents were able to say, hey, you're a prince. You know, when we grew up and we understood what that meant, we walked in that inheritance and that understanding of being a prince. And a prince's role is not something for himself. It's to serve the kingdom of God. And you're able to grab hold of those labels that align with the word of God, or you're able to not allow those labels that don't align with them to take root and not change. Or you come from a place of reacting because you're, you're getting these labels, negative labels placed on you or even positive. Like this is something that my wife and I we were talking about the other day is we talked about how it's not just negative labels. Like sometimes there are things that you can place over your life that, you know, people might say, Hey, you're, you're really funny or you're really like, you're really like just a funny person. And it might be that your, your funniness is actually coming from a place where you're coping with something and trying to bury something. And so rather than, rather than dealing or having the necessarily hard 
conversations or thoughts or conversations with God, you are just trying to jump all the way to the other side and just trying to bury it with these positive labels as we may see them. So just understanding what the word of God says about us has so much power. And if we don't grab hold of that, we're missing out on what God's called us to do here on earth. Yeah, I wish the listeners could see me because I'm just like nodding my head like, yes, yes, in agreement. So much, so much goodness here. You you said something. You said a lot of great things there. But one of the things that I wrote down is that you said the enemy knows who you are when you're talking about that example of Jesus. And I even think about myself. So I was the youngest of five. You and I were actually talking about this before, before we got started. And you're the youngest in your family. But growing up, Everybody said over me, and again, nobody meant this in a bad way, right? They would always say over me, oh, she's so shy. They use this word shy because I technically was, which now I have a whole big soapbox I get up on about shy. Don't get me started. That's not what today's about. Shy is a decision. Um, I am a quiet person, but shy is different than that. Anyway, people would always say, oh, she's shy. And so I just had received, I was shy. And so when I started in my early 20s, I started getting asked to speak. Like I, my youth pastor asked me to speak and I didn't even think I didn't pray. I just said, no, I don't speak. I'm shy. Like I, like I was wearing that, like not only a badge of honor, but it was also a form of protection of like, no, I don't. So I would just tell people when they would ask me to speak, I was like, I don't speak. I'm shy. And what's interesting about that is that, like you said, the enemy knew me. He knew God had called me to be a voice in this generation. So of course, one of the very first labels spoken over me was she's shy. And so it got me to just kind of stay back, you know, and, and not step into that fullness of what God had for me. And so I love that because it gives me this visual that maybe perhaps, you know, for people listening, some of the things that those labels that they have could actually be, and I, often I've seen that the enemy pokes at us in the areas in which we're actually really called to. <laughs> have you Have you seen that to be true? Oh, 100%. And I think that's the beauty of the gospel and the beauty of what Jesus does is it's completely opposite to what the world sees. Like the world show, does this whole display of, hey, show me only your strengths and hide all of your weaknesses. And God said, actually, all those areas that are you call weaknesses, I'm actually going to use for, for strength. And, and I mean, that was that was my whole story with this book. I mean, this this book was a label I had to overcome. You know, growing up in those special needs classes, I was always ashamed of going to those classes and having to tell people, like my friends would ask me, what, what class is that? I'm like, I'd have to tell them like, it's just extra reading kind of thing. Like I would try to hide what it is kind of thing. But, but um, you know, that's what we have to stand on. We have to stand on the confidence of his grace that helps us through those situations. I remember even um, reading this book out loud was the scariest thing I thought I could ever do. Uh, I was like, there is no way I can do this. I remember when they asked me like, hey, can we get a quick clip of just you reading your book? I was like thinking, I was like, should I just botch this so that they just be like, Hey, he's definitely can't read this out loud. And I was like, no, I need to go through with it. And so they said, Hey, let's do this. And I remember the guy told me, he said, Hey, you have, you have normally about 30 to 50 minutes to finish a chapter. He said, that's about how long it takes. And I read the first chapter and it took me an hour and 45 minutes to get through. It was so bad. I was stumbling over every single sentence. It was just, I felt so discouraged, all this stuff. And and not only that, when we finished, the guy said, hey, there's something wrong with the audio. We have to go back and do it all over again. And so I got through the second chapter and I realized, I said, hang on, I can't. 
Like I've proven to myself, I can't do this. This is not a strength that I have. And I told the guys, I said, Hey, can I stop really quick? And I went to the bathroom and I just said, God, I need your grace. I, this is not something that is a strength for me. I need your grace in this situation. And I went back and I finished the next chapter in 25 minutes. And, and so when you just rely on God in those instances, I think it just, it talks, does what the Bible does. It confounds the wise. And I love that. Yeah. I love that too, because you're highlighting the fact that once we realize these labels are there and the lies are there, it's very tempting. And there's all kinds of teachings that you could listen to all day long about how to find your inner strength and rise up and, you know, put your big girl panties on and do this. Like, I mean, like you hear all this stuff. And I know for me personally, whenever I try to just find that strength within myself, it'll get me a little bit of the way, but it doesn't keep me there. I can't sustain it without the, without the power of the Holy Spirit. And then just like you said, stepping into who that we are in Christ. Um, okay. So I do want to move on a little bit and cause there's just some great content here that I want to make sure that we cover. Let's talk for a second about social media. We obviously definitely live in a generation where it's a big deal. And in fact, I'm kind of seeing there's not many. I mean, even my my father, um, he's into social media, you know, so I'm like, I feel like all the generations are kind of into social media these days. It's not really just a younger generation thing. Let's talk for a second about how it's breeding ground for pride in comparison. Uh, what have you seen with that? And how can we put some healthy boundaries in place? Yeah. Well, like you said, I think it's really important when it comes to social media to put healthy boundaries uh, because it can just be a slippery slope. Um, I don't think at all social media is from the devil. I think it's one of the greatest tools for this generation. Um, I do believe this generation is supposed to impact the world. And I think that social media is supposed to play a part in that because never before have you been able to impact someone's life all the way across the world with just simply a post. And I think that's a very, uh, very important tool that we have to understand and how to use wise. Um, but I think, like you said, the comparison ground that it creates when you start focusing on all the other things and really looking, as we've heard so many times, the highlight reels of other people's lives, we miss out on what's so unique and valuable about your life. Um, I remember last year, God kind of challenged me with this thought. And he said, you know, Arden, I'm an infinite God. And I, and I said, yeah, okay. And he said, because I'm an infinite God, that means there is infinite expressions of me. And he said, because I create all of my children uniquely. He said that that there means that all of my sons and daughters, there is a unique expression of me that is inside of them that the world has yet to see. That from the foundations of the world to now, the world has never seen and they are waiting for it to be seen. And I found that so interesting because I think what social media can cause you to do is it gets your eyes off of what God has uniquely placed inside of you, that unique factor that the world has never seen. And it gets you to try to be someone else or try to do something that you're not supposed to do. Uh, I, I, like my mom always taught us boys this thing. When we grew up and we always asked the big question of, hey mom, what are we supposed to do? Like we're seeing all these people do all these amazing things, all this stuff. And she would always tell us, boys, she said, Hey, you're supposed to do something that's never been done before. And the reason why she said that was not because of us being like, you know, Hey, we're going to do some amazing thing. It was because what's unique upon every single one of our lives was going to be an expression that the world has never seen before. And so she said, don't look at other people and compare what they're doing to what you think you're going to do, because it's going to be something so unique and so authentic. I love that. So you could almost say when we get on there, we we could almost approach it from an angle of rejoicing and celebrating somebody's expression of 
how they come on to social media or how they do certain things. And I mean, I, I just love that that mindset. You know, it's interesting too that I completely agree with you. I I, I personally love social media. Um, I do have to take periodic fast from it because I love it so much. I can get a little addicted at times and, you know, like, and it, like just want to see what's everybody up to. And oh my goodness, like, it's so fun. Uh, but it's not always great to be on there for hours upon hours a day. So I got to watch that. But um, God has had to remind me, though, that while I love social media, there are some people who aren't necessarily called to it, I think, like to, as, a, as a platform or as a ministry. And I don't want to discount their service, like what they're doing just in real life. You know, like, I don't know about you, but some of the most rich, deep people that I know don't even have a social media account. And sometimes I'm like, you need a social media account. You got some good things to say. Can I post these things for you? Because this is awesome. Um, so how can we make sure that we're still like honoring everybody's gifts? So people are listening today and they go, I'm not a fan of social media. Like, I don't feel called to be on there and to to put things out there. And like, how can we encourage them as well? And what God has gifted them in their own expressions. Yeah. Well, I think I, I love, honestly, I wish I was one of those people. Um, I think when I got, I was always one of the last people to get on social media. Like when Instagram became a thing, all my friends were like, you need to do it. And I was like, I really just don't want to. And I don't know if it was just being stubborn or what, but I mean, some of my best friends, they don't have social media. And I think, I think that's absolutely incredible because there's a lot of things that can bog you down on social media. And I think what it does is it takes away a lot of a people's time and a lot of their thoughts where I think people that are, you know, that, Hey, they're like, Hey, it's just, maybe it's just not for me. I've tried it and I've done it. And maybe it's just, I never got started on it. That's great. But I, I think that's not something that's a hindrance. I don't think that's, you know, Hey, because you don't have social media, you can't impact someone on the other side of the world. No, I think God's always been able to use people in such extraordinary and unique ways. And I think you lean into that uniqueness about you and don't see it as a weakness. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, since I just brought up to you that, or confessed. Actually, I've done a whole podcast. Um, it was a solo episode. It's been like 2019. Yeah, it was before the big 2020 hit. I did it on my Instagram addiction and um, how how God convicted me of that. And um, anyhow, I have had that experience of being addicted to it and the, the Lord having to be like, all right, you need to pull back. So let's talk about just addictions, not necessarily Instagram, but just addictions, period, because we know there's lots of things we can be addicted to. This is something that you do talk about. Um, what? How do you, how can we identify an addiction and how can we avoid getting caught in those traps? Yeah. Well, I think, I think addictions are, you know, can be very scary things when we kind of approach it. We're like, Ooh, man, I don't like either. We think, you know, addictions are something that are for people that have hit, you know, rock bottom, someone that you see on the side of the street, something like that. Really addictions are honestly, they're pretty, they're, I don't want to say pretty common, but they're, they're very real and very much a part of our life and something that we have to be aware of. Um, one for either ourselves or two for people that are around us. And I've had so many conversations with people that have just navigated addictions, whether that's pornography, that's alcohol, that's drugs, or, or maybe it's their phones or things like that. But I think right now, um, what I'm seeing a lot from our generation is uh, two addictions that I think are very prevalent. One is pornography. I remember I, I navigated a porn addiction. Uh, I got uh, first time I ever felt the 
discovered porn was when I was 11 years old. It was not something that I went and sought out. It was something that just stumbled across the computer screen and, and just how terrifying uh, that was for me. But yet that to just continue to grab hold of my life. And it was something I had to continue to fight and break free. And thank God I've been broke, you know, broke free a long time ago. Um, but I think that's something I'm seeing in our generation because porn is so accessible. Um, it's something that we can so easily just pick up our phone and within a couple, couple taps, we're there on a, a page that we should not be on. Um, and then I think the addiction to our phone, you know, I think we are so focused on all the things that are on our phone that we are actually losing sight uh, of God. We're losing sight of the things of God. And I think when we focus solely on God and make that our sole focus, there's things within our phone and, you know, things that we do like social media that are great, that are, you know, awesome. That gives us a reason to be on our phone. But when we are focused on God and not lost in, in our phones, lost in the distractions of this world, um, we are able to use those things as a tool um, rather than something that's a hindrance. And so that's what I'm wanting to see from our generation. You know, uh, I've had so many conversations with young men uh, navigating the, the addictions of this world. And I want to see this generation uh, being a fighting generation. You know, I think a uh, common theme I think I keep seeing is we see a lot of people who want to be warriors without any kind of war. Mm. We, you know, we want to be warriors for Christ, but we don't want to go through the battles. And so um, I want to see our generation continue to fight, continue to fight for a better future, to not allow addiction to be something that's stealing from you because that's all it is. It steals from your present and steals from your future. That's, that's what it does. And I remember when I, I realized that about it stealing from my future was when I had the discovery, um, about my marriage, I had this discovery for, you know, I had always dreamed about the amazing wife I was going to marry the, the marriage I was going to have. And I realized one day that I was already jeopardizing, um, my future marriage by the actions that I was taking of watching pornography. Um, and it just, put things in such a big perspective. And it made me realize not only am I fighting to break free for this, I'm fighting for my future marriage. Well, I, for one, am cheering you on, but you on in this war. I love what you said. We want to be warriors without war. I mean, is that not the truth that I just said so we should embrace the war? We should embrace the battle and be encouraged that Jesus has already overcome. So you're not going. Exactly. We never, we never have to lose. That's the amazing thing. Yeah. Yeah. I love that so much. Oh, this is so good. Okay. So as we wrap up today, is there anything that you, there's so much wisdom that's in your book and, um, and the things that you talked about, is there anything you, just for sure want to make sure the listeners know today before we go. Yeah, I would say so. The thing that impacted me the most and, and something my dad taught us growing up was the fear of the Lord. And, and I have a chapter on this and really how I broke up the, the book was all I took 10 words out of my journal that um, were 10 words that spoke to me that I had walked through personally because I wanted to make sure I wasn't. I, look, I don't want to act like I'm an expert on anything. I am 26 years old. I am learning so much and I hope I'm continuing learning all my life. Uh, but these are things I walked through. And so I hope to kind of share those experience with people. Um, but the fear of the Lord was something so important to my life. And I think our generation has missed out on it. And I think we kind of have come to this place where we say, you know, hey, the Bible says perfect love casts out all fear, which means there's no room for fear in my relationship with God, which yes, that is true. The Bible does say the perfect fear or perfect love casts out all fear. But the fear that it's talking about is actually the worldly fear. In Exodus 20, 20, you see both fears put together. And it says, do not 
God, Moses says to the people, he says, do not fear for God has come to test that his fear may be within you so that you do not sin. And the fear of the Lord is actually the word into me. And I might be ruining the pronunciation, but it actually means into intimacy. It's into a deeper level of intimacy. And right now I love, I love how Isaiah says it. He says, the fear of the Lord does not judge by the hearing of the ear or the seeing of the eye, but it judges according to righteous judgment. And we have a lot of people right now in my generation that are judging things based off of what they see on social media, based off of what they hear on the news, both based off of what they hear from their peers. And we do not judge according to righteous judgment. And so I want us to grab hold of what it means to fear God. And I love my, my dad put this um, so beautifully, and I think it will even kind of help shed some light on the fear that I'm talking about. But he always told us, boys, he said, the fear of God is not to be afraid of God. It's just to be afraid of being away from him. It is to stand in awe and of just uh, I, this reverence of his amazing, holy, awesome name and all the things that he's done. And so I want to see our generation have that healthy fear, because when you have the fear of God, it actually allows you to live your life fearlessly. And I think we have a lot of people that are allowing the world and man to be the master and the thing that they fear the most rather than God. I love how you said that, to be afraid of being away from him. Because I agree, we live in a generation of people who we feel like God's mad at us, or if you make a mistake, I should run and I should hide. Like we think you can hide from God. That always kind of cracks me up when you think about it, you know. Um, I used to give my life to Christ like almost every single week because I had a wrong understanding of the fear of God. I used to think he was like a judge ready to smack me. And when my dad better explained it to me, I'm like, Oh, this I, I remember I actually just told him the other day, I said, I think there's only two things you need in this life to be success, successful. I said, number one is to always remain teachable. And number two is to always fear God. Yeah, I was that I was that kid, too. I got saved every night during revival. Every night I was down there like, oh, I may, I sinned today. I guess I need to get saved again. Yeah, so I can feel you. Oh, well, I have so loved this conversation. Hey, where can people connect with you in the online space and get a copy of your book? Yeah, the best place to go is ardenbevere.com. It'll have my social media. I'll have our podcast. I'll have the book. It'll have everything um, just to be able to connect with me on there. Perfect. Well, Arden, thank you again for taking time to come on today. Rachel, thank you so much for having me. It was a true honor. Well, it is time for one of my favorite parts of the show. Let's get real practical. This is the part of the show that we take the topic discussed with today's guest and we get into some practical steps that you can implement into your life right now. Today we discussed confronting the labels that limit us. And you might remember I shared a personal story of my own label that I received for years, which was that word shy. <laughs> now, I could get up on a big old soapbox right now and tell you why I very much dislike that word for many reasons, but that's not the purpose of this segment. So right now, here's what I want to share with you. The word that God replaced for me with that word shy was quiet. See, the truth is, if you meet me in person, this might be surprising because here I am with the podcast. I do a lot of talking, so I don't seem very quiet right now in this moment. However, in a group setting, I'm just quiet. I don't really care to have this the floor. I don't care to be uh, the center of attention. I don't care to be the one who is trying to carry on conversations. But one-on-one, -on -one, I do great with that kind of stuff. I'm definitely very much an introvert. 
And so because for so long I wore this label around of shy, I often disqualified myself from things. In fact, when I first started getting asked to speak, I just straight up told them no. I was like, no, I don't speak. Because like, to me, I had that label of shy slapped on my chest like a name badge that I was proud to wear. And so that label of shy really made decisions for me. And that's really sad because I didn't even consult with God. I just was like, hey, shy, what do you think? You know, I was consulting with my labels rather than the Lord. Ooh, that's that's quotable right there. We should We should consult with the Lord over our labels. Remember that, okay? That wasn't even my notes. That was just bonus. But here's what I want to talk about today real quick about labels. The first thing is this. Labels are real, but they're not all bad, right? There's some labels I want to wear, you know, hard worker or dedicated or committed. I mean, there's some labels that are really great, positive labels that we should receive. Um, Daughter of God, loved, like all those things can be positive, but labels can also be negative. And unfortunately, I've never met one person in my entire life who doesn't have some negative labels that they wear around. I once heard a visual illustration of labels. Have you ever seen those name badges that are like, hello, my name is whatever. And it really is, labels really are like those name badges. It's like if you were to say, hello, my name is Shy." in my case, and then you slap it on. And when you meet new people or you go into circumstances, you're really leading with whatever that label is if we're not aware of it. But I just want to be clear that labors, they are a real thing. Um, I want to validate these, I guess, if you will. And I think that whenever we receive something as being a real thing, it makes it more tangible to get rid of it if we don't like it. Which leads me to my next point about labels. Labels are removable. Just think of that hello, my name is label that's on your shirt. Uh, have you ever worn one of those into a store? And I've, I've done this before and everybody's like, hello, Rachel, how are you today? And I'm thinking, how does everybody know my name? You know, I'm all confused about how all these people knew my name. And then I realize, oh, I'm still wearing my label from tonight's group. That's awesome and awkward. Well, here's the good news. I was able to pull that off, throw it away, and then nobody was calling me out by my name. You know, random strangers weren't calling me by name. That's the good news about these labels. When you start to identify them, you can go, you know what? Yeah, that's been a label I've carried around most of my life, but... Today's the day that I, I remove that off, I tear it up, I throw it in the trash, and that's no longer my identity. So two action steps for you today before we hop off here. Number one, identify one negative label in your life. One, that's all I'm asking. Remember, these action steps in this segment are meant to be tangible to where you can apply it right now. I recommend starting with one, removing that one, and then if you'd like to do more, go for it. Here's the second thing, though. Don't just remove that negative label. Ask God what positive word he wants to replace that negative label with. Like I said, to me, quiet, I, I like that word. I, that doesn't make me mad. Like, I, I think that's a good thing. I have a gentle and a quiet spirit. And I feel like that spirit in me is, enables me to be a good counselor, to be a good podcast interviewer, to, you know, be a good wife and a mom to my kids and my husband. And so the Lord's given you some unique gifts that are exactly what you need for wherever he has planted you. So lean into those things today. It's not going to look like mine. You may be listening going, well, I can't relate to that shy label at all. That's okay. You're going to have different labels and, and we want to just identify those and remove them, replace them with the truth from God's word. 
Okay, well, that concludes our Get Real Practical segment for today. Hey, if you haven't already left a review for the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show, would you mind taking a moment to do so today? Okay, friends, that's all that we have. I pray this Real Talk episode brought you one step closer to living free and pursuing your God-given dreams. I'll see you back here next time on Real Talk with Rachel.